What's up, guys? It is Friday, August 14th, 2020, and this is another edition of the FritzCast. I'm not going to spend too much time on an introduction here uh, or carrying things out. Uh, the, the, the big meaty part of, uh, of this week's episode is Theodore Quinoa from Crowdfunded Government, who has been on a uh, uh, podcast, social media escapade of sorts, uh, and so it's going to be a little bit of a different discussion today. Uh, usually, you come on Fritz Cast, and and you get me talking about libertarianism, third parties, independent politics, you know, things of that nature. It's what you hear. Uh, Theodore has a bit of a new direction for his crowdfunded government uh, campaign. Excuse me, stroking. I have to shave. This is my final days of vacation. This is going to have to get trimmed soon. And I just, I don't want to trim it. I just want to grow it out really big and long, you know? But uh, Theodore comes on and discusses a new direction for crowdfunded government. And because I I unfortunately couldn't have him on prior to this new engagement, he does explain a little bit of what crowdfunded government was prior to this announcement. And then we discuss a little bit about uh, his new direction and why he thinks third party is a waste of time. Which, you know, honestly, I, I enjoy a challenge. I enjoy him coming on and, and coming up with this different viewpoint. You know, I don't want Fritz Cast to be uh, a giant echo chamber of just, hey, libertarianism is the way, it's right, and it is absolutely the thing to do. And if not, I'm just going to troll you and call you an idiot. I don't want that. Uh, I want discussions, and I want to, you know, I want a broad approach to things. You know, it's it's the same... I've interviewed a lot of libertarian uh, candidates and politicians and people within in the movement and all that, but I don't want to just be limited to that. So uh, I'm very thankful Theodore wanted to come on and present a challenge, present a different set of ideas, and really, you know, instead of just you know going on going along with the theme of Fritzcast, you know, really stepping and saying like, you know, I think what you're doing is great. I think your heart's in the right place. But I just, I don't, I think it's a waste of time. And he'll dive in and explain it. Um, and I, it was a great interview. I was very happy to have him on. Uh, in terms of news of what I have to, you know, what, what should be covered right now prior to, uh, you know, what should be covered right now prior to uh, uh, going into this interview, uh, I, there's there's some things that, uh, there's some things that we could dive into. Joe Biden came out and, Kamala Harris is the, the VP nominee. Uh, I, I, if Bernie was here, he would be scolding me. He's not, uh, he's not the nominee yet. I'm still, I'm not on the ballot, but he's he's the presumptive nominee. He's the presumptive nominee. Kamala Harris is the vice presidential presumptive nom- nominee for the Democrats. And uh, we could, I mean, I could dive into a tirade, but everybody already knows what I'm going to say on that. So it's not really important for me to cover it this week, especially when we have a campaign season ahead of us over the coming weeks and months. So I'm going to refrain from that. That's the big news story that, excuse me, that happened uh, within the last couple of days. Uh, Joe Biden coming out and selecting Kamala Harris as his VP nominee. Uh, the only other thing I can say is that he came out today. He came out just mere hours ago. Uh, I'm actually recording this right now on a Thursday. So even though I said it's Friday, 
he just came out a few mere hours ago saying that he believes there should be a national mask mandate. And I'm just, I'm totally shocked that the, uh, the, the guy that wrote the crime bill that, that created a toxic law enforcement environment and the AD, the AG that, uh, prosecuted people, uh, with an iron fist. They're the ones coming out saying there's, there should be a, a national mandate for mask wearing. You know, of course, Kamala Harris likes that. It, more fines and potentially jailing people. Why wouldn't she like it? Anyway, more on that will come later. Uh, in the meantime, let's get to the interview with Theodore from Crowdfunded Government. Here it is. My guest this week is Theodore Quinoa from Crowdfunded Government. Theodore, how are you doing? Fritz, good brother. How's it going, man? It's good to have you on the show, man. Good to good to finally have you on the show. I, I kind of regret not having you on before these big diabolical changes and plans that you have going on. So, no, it's actually it's actually better that way because now I've been sort of reflective in regards to what uh, what is the direction that I should go. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, I, I don't know if you wanted to first dive into what it originally was, or if you just kind of want to dive into to where you are now. I don't know if you want to cover a little bit of the evolution or not. Yeah, I would have uh, I would have loved to uh, meet with you sooner, but uh, we've always had these issues and conflicts, and finally got everything resolved. So I would have told you back in the day, crowdfunded government is a very simple idea: is that we just simply need to end taxation and replace it with voluntary crowdfunding. Very simple: simply transparently budget government programs, explain exactly what they're going to do, and then ask the people to pay the money for them. Them. If they collect enough money, they will operate. If they don't collect enough money, they're going to somewhat operate. And if they don't collect any money, then government programs don't operate. So crowdfunding government is a very simple idea. And it's a great way to attempt to reduce, eventually eliminate the need for involuntary taxation. Because by the end of it, you would have only popular programs that are being supported using voluntary dollars. And that would seem to be a much better equation than the myriad of unpopular programs that were being stolen to pay for at every level of government. So basically, instead of involuntary taxation, this is completely voluntary. I'm paying to what I want. Yeah, and uh, I'm, not, I'm not as radical as some people. Uh, Donnie Gebert is a great example of uh, the direct republic guy. He's even more radical than I am in regards to decentralizing the idea of government and individually choosing government. So I'm going to draw the line in terms of what I advocate for right at the idea that all of government is the same. Everything's exactly the same in terms of voting, politicians, all the programs. It's just that they're voluntarily funded. So you will choose what you pay for. You will choose what you will not pay for. You will not be punished, for example, for not paying for the fire department. It simply operates at a reduced budget when people don't give to it. And again, I don't understand why people wouldn't pay for their fire department because everybody seems to be very in favor of fire departments. Okay, fair enough. Now, what radical change has come to, to crowdfunded government? The radical change is that normally I would tell you, I am here to spread a non-political message, an apolitical message, one in which I'm trying to have, I'm trying to be a big tent idea. So my goal has always been to try to tell people that regardless of what you believe, I'm on your side. So I don't care what kind of programs you do want to crowdfund. I just care that you like the voluntary nature of crowdfunding uh, as opposed to taxation. However, it has become very apparent recently that there is a vampire in the Liberty community. There is a force out there that I believe is stealing people's time and money, and it's not the government. And that is why I am trying to reach out to as many podcasters as possible. Right. 
Okay. All right. Now dive a little more into that. It, it's a, you said something specifically about a vampire and wasting time. So yeah, basically what I have noticed, and this is where I'm curious about everybody's opinion, because I could be wrong. Maybe somebody could set me straight. I am noticing that a tremendous amount of very intelligent people, people who are well-read, learned, and philosophically sound, are choosing to involve themselves in the incredible waste of time known as the third party process. And that is what I'm trying to break down. No longer is it truly a non-political, apolitical movement because I'm starting to realize that these people may actually be enemies in the sense that they are asking you to provide your time and money for these third party efforts that have no chance of winning political office, no chance of changing the power structure. And yet there's incredibly intelligent people wasting their time on these efforts. And I realized that these are allies. These are people who largely need to be in government. These are people whose ideas need to be on the debate stage. And instead they are wasting their time pretending, debating with each other, not winning political office. So the third parties is where I've really identified an issue and I'm getting, I was also I was getting a little bored of just talking about government, so I wanted something else hot to talk about that I thought I was right about. So <laughs> the conclusion that I've come to is we have got to do something about these third parties. Okay, so specifically, I, I get where you're going with this, and I've actually, I've listened to a couple of episodes that you've done. So this isn't brand new territory to me, but I know some of my listeners probably haven't heard of this. So... Pretty much, you're, you're saying the third-party movement, any push for that, is essentially a waste of time, complete waste of time. Definitely, 100%. Waste of time, waste of money, waste of energy, shouldn't be focused on at all. No. It's, it seems like the, the direction that people want to go is a good one, right? People are upset with the two-party system. They're upset with the idea that the red and the blue wing appear to be in cahoots on 99% of issues. And there just doesn't seem to be much of a difference. So I get that people are then like, I have unique ideas about freedom, liberty, the green environment, whatever it, the third party happens to be, people then say, well, the two parties aren't serving me exactly the way that I think. So therefore, the best thing that I should do is completely disassociate myself and go to this alternative third party. And then the third party goes and completely accomplishes nothing. Naked guy running across the stage right? Guy debating with a boot on his head. It's entertaining stuff, but it doesn't change the nature of politics. It doesn't change the nature of government. It just simply is talk. Talk is cheap. Politics is about power and changing things. And if third parties were doing that, let's say 20% of political offices in the country were being held by third parties, that would, they would have a voice. They would have absolute change in the machinery and the power of government, but they don't. They don't. The numbers are staggeringly low, and I find all sorts of different statistics, so I don't know exactly what number to say. I'm just going to say 90-some percent are Republican or Democrat. So the reason I bring this up, this vampire of the third parties, if you got rid of that vampire and everybody just focused their efforts on trying to win office with a major party, yeah, you might have to hold your nose and occasionally vote for things that you disagree with. You may have to compromise some of your principles, but I would much rather have people in power who have principle and have 90%, 50%, hell, even 10% of good policies in government as opposed to 0%, which is what we have now. I want to break off of something that you just said there. So with, with third parties, do you think that 
for example, we'll throw out the Libertarian Party since my program's heavily around libertarian ideals and all that. Do you think that they're far too Puritan to make a difference in the world? No, I, I mean, they're, they're being principled in Puritan is a very good thing. That's, mm -hmm. that's never been the problem. Uh, the, the messaging is great. For example, with the Libertarian Party, clearly they have a relatively, especially compared to Republicans and Democrats, a relatively unified message uh, in regards to liberty. They got it figured out. It's not, the, it's not the messaging that's the problem. It's the fact the system is rigged. The, it's rigged that you're never going to get on a debate stage with Republicans and Democrats. It's rigged that when people go to the ballot box and they see anything besides an RRD next to your name, they don't even think twice about voting for you. It's rigged. Uh, people expect to vote for Republicans and Democrats. It has nothing to do with superiority of message. I mean, it has not. It, it has everything to do with a rigged system that we've been born into, and it's actually sort of similar to the crowdfunding government idea. Whereas the the same reason that I'm incrementalist in my approach to taxation is I'm a believer that you start with where you are. So we are here in a rigged political system. We don't start from a blank slate and say, oh, well, let's create the Green Party. Let's create the Reform Party. Let's create the Libertarian Party. We're starting with rigged, red, or blue. And you got to choose one and win. That's the only way you can possibly change what government does. You're never going to change by just shouting from the outside. So picking off of that, I want to kind of turn this uh, focus into a federal versus local thing now. So when it comes to your idea of abolishing the third party, you know, picking an R, picking a D, uh, you know, creating a caucus within one of these parties, for example. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is your, would you say your push is more focused on like national scale or far more local scale because that's something that you can see directly and have like a direct hand and influence in? Well, much like with crowdfunding government that I believe the solution is with the states and the counties and the cities, the solution is never larger. The question should always be, what can you do on a more local level? Because you'll be able to make more immediate impact and have a better chance of making a difference. It would be the same thing that I would tell the libertarians now. It is, don't even worry about state elections and federal elections right now. That's not where you're needed. We need people who are interested in changing the political system actually going to their local level, whether it's dog catcher, mayor, councilman, uh, something to do with the county, some type of help, board of education. Just do, do something, do anything besides run a fake campaign driving around some bus giving speeches. I mean, it's not, it's not changing anything. So locally is the only way that I would rather have people go. And yeah, as it comes to this whole idea that eventually you might have enough of these previously third party minded people who are actually in political power starting to meet on the county and state levels and maybe starting to develop some caucuses on the Republican and Democratic side to indicate that they're sort of coalescing around these messages. Local is possible, baby. I don't even I don't even think that uh, I don't even think that national offices should be contended with until there's a comfortable movement in the state. And I don't think anybody should be going for states till there's comfortable movements locally because the power is what's most important. And the, the proof will be in whether these governments operate better, whether the, the voters are happier, and ultimately these politicians that I'm proposing get involved are either going to get more votes and more donations or 
maybe their ideas are unpopular and that's fine. I'm willing to accept that, but I, I, I never, these federal pushes from third parties are the quintessential waste of time that I'm talking about. I could, uh, I, I could be willing to argue with you on that point. Or willing to agree with you, not argue with you. Oh, I was going to say, this is going to get interesting, Fritz, because I, the thing is, I'm, I, I know I sound very pompous about this as if it's matter of fact, because to me, it's absolute matter of fact. I, I need somebody to explain to me what they think they're actually accomplishing doing this third party stuff nationally. I could even dig locally trying these third, if, if the third parties said, all right, no more national politics for 10 years. No more state politics for five years. We're only doing local. Then the next five, we're going to do state. Then the next five, we're going to start moving towards the federal. I could dig that. Um, so I was hoping you were, <laughs> I was hoping you had something I wasn't yeah, thinking of here. I mean, no, it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I myself leading up to, you know, uh, uh, the presidential election now, especially now that we have, you know, Joe Biden's VP candidate Kamala Harris is out there now. So now we know the tickets that are running. Uh, but before the Libertarian nominee was ever picked, I, I would always argue with people that, uh, like, especially the Libertarian Party is like always hyper-focused on their presidential nominee. Yeah. Like they dump so much time and energy into this big national campaign, which to me always seems like Mount Everest, you know? Like, Absolutely. Why, and why are you going to try to scale the mountaintop uh, and try to do this thing from top down when bottom up seems much more logical. Set up the base camp at the bottom of the mountain because it's going to be a tough journey. There's going to be a lot of fatalities along the way up this mountain, and we're going to have to regroup. There's going to have to be a lot of thought on the way halfway up. Ah, i got to redo this. Try it again. So if you're trying to climb a mountain, that would be like literally getting dropped off in the middle by helicopter and then trying to make a national run. It's like yeah, you're, yeah. you're never going to make it to the top of that mountain. You're never going to make it down. <laughs> you're no. done. No, not in one piece, especially nope. not. Um, it, it's amazing because in, in many senses, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. Just because it, it's like, what can the Libertarian Party flaunt that it's done in its, since its 50 inception? years. Yeah. 50 years, dude. And I've had some Libertarians tell me with a straight face that, well, the Libertarian Party wasn't founded to win. It was founded to spread ideas. And y are you serious? Are you really think that people are do donating their hard-earned money to your third party for you to talk? I'm pretty sure almost anybody giving money to a third party wants to see radical change. So that's why they're giving the money. So I can't believe that people actually th have told me, and this is I'm, I'm happy to keep listening to it because it's hilarious, that for the past 50 years and for the next 50 years, the goal of the Libertarian Party is, oh, don't win office. We just want to talk. I, to, to me, yeah, you, you don't join a, a political party isn't there to be a, a, just this catalyst of ideas or whatever. Like if, if you want to donate money to, to you know, a, an institution like that, you go to Cato, you go to Heritage Foundation, you go to these like think tanks that are made to be that. They come, they think, they come up with these ideas, they put out things like that, but they're not in the, the play of being a political party and putting on uh, uh, campaigns that just don't generate steam and don't, you know, make a splash. And like to further your point, you know, 50 years of, of libertarian, you know, politics, libertarian party, people are like, they, 
they, 50 they, years, man. Like they, they proudly, they proudly go around talking about, well, we have Justin Amash in, in the house. And I'm like, he flipped. He, he wasn't elected as a libertarian. He's not running again for his seat. He's bowing out of politics because he's been in it for 11 years. It's not, that would qualify as not an argument, Fritz. Yeah. <laughs> not I an mean, argument. It's, yeah. I mean, it's, it's literally, so what would be your advice then to libertarian? Well, well, we'll branch out of that because there's libertarians, there's green party guys, there's constitution party guys. What would be your advice to these people who dedicate themselves to the third party movement? Like, like myself, I believe, you know, a third party, I, I believe there should be more than just a third party. I think there should be a fourth party. Oh yeah. Party. Oh yeah. You know, I think there should mm -hmm. be a lot of that for that diversity in the voices and that this way we're not in what we're in now, which is a, you know, highly polarized and, and it's 2020 vitriolic, you know, hatred of each other almost, it seems. But so, so what's your advice to, to people like me to break out of that and kind of refocus and see things in your crowdfunded government new approach of, hey, get rid of third parties. This is stupid. The first thing that I would tell you is it's a simple political science discussion as to why third parties probably will never take root in the United States political system because the, all the political system is based on plurality and majority. And it's not, there, there are no coalition building like you see in European democracies where they're more parliamentary in nature and they have different voting structures that allow for the, inf excuse me, the influence of third parties. So if, if we had that type of a system, I would then be arguing, yeah, great, there, there should be 85 parties and they should all have their own take on all the different things and they should come together on the different issues, you know, that's not how it works in the United States. The United States is first past the post, majority rules, plurality takes it. And in that case, you're always going to have, according to political science, not like this is Theodore Quinoa's opinion, this is political science. You are always going to be reduced to two parties if you have a majority rule system. So that would be the first thing that I would tell you is, ideally, I'm with you. Ideologically, I'm with you. Philosophically, I'm with you. I'm just not with you in the sense that if you take that there should be third parties, meaning that that's therefore what we need to advocate for, because that's taking a want and then placing it onto a structure that it, the want can't exist. I want more diversity of political opinions out there via the party system. Well, too bad. It's first past the post. Choose red or blue. So the advice that I would then give to people who are interested or people who have dedicated tremendous amounts of time either organizing or running for office as a third party member, that's fine. End your membership immediately. Get involved in your local county or your local city, whatever, and choose red or blue. I don't care. Flip a coin, choose heads or tails because it really doesn't matter. Both parties are so similar when the rubber hits the road, especially at local government. They are almost identical doesn't really matter which one you choose. So that's the advice that I'm trying to give to all these people who were involved. Cut your losses, cut your ties, choose one, get involved. The next election cycle in 2022, start running for dog catcher, get, your, get somebody interesting to run for dog catcher who was running, you know, encourage your favorite third party politician to do it. And Maybe it's like a challenge. Like, you think your idea is so good, I bet you can't even win as a Republican, right? It's like, well, sure I can. Of course I can. My ideas are great. Well, good. I bet you can't. So 
I don't know. Just I'm just trying to encourage. That's that's really what I'm just trying to do here. I'm just trying to explain from a political science perspective why it's a waste of time, and then all of these different avenues that would be much better than putting one more minute or one more penny into third-party politics. Okay, and then let me branch off here to another point. You were just talking about how the system is set up. Do you think it's a worthy cause to even to try to fight that system, or is your approach, your approach sounds more like this is what it is, pick it up, use it, figure it out, and you can slowly chip away at it if you can. Yeah, it's, it's a great question because uh, obviously through my interactions on Liberty Twitter and also many of the podcasts associated with it, I do bump into people who are either agorists, uh, free, uh, real like individualist, free market anarchist in regards to like being self-sufficient. So basically the kind of people who say, you know what, the system is broken. I'm going to go move to a farm. I'm going to go learn how to make food and trade outside of government. I'm never going to argue with those people. Um, if you believe the system is beyond repair, I, I, I'm not going to get you to buy back into the system. So the assumption that I make when I talk to people, and I guess I, I should really start with this right off the bat, is my my ideas only matter if you want to try to save this system, if you want to try to avoid collapse and chaos, that rule will result from a completely broken political system eventually. So I'm not going to argue at all that political change is best done at the ballot box because there's many people much more intelligent than I am who will explain to you how it's not and it won't. And for those people, I just say, listen, go to your farm. I don't want to bother you. I agree with you. This message is just for people who are involved in third party politics and think that third party politics is going to provide an answer. Because at that point, I just need to spin you from yellow or green or gray into red or blue, because you've already bought into the, the narrative that there is something to save and that there is a process that if you win, you get to change the power. See, I'm a believer in that, that there is a vote and then power as laws are executed. Another vote, then power as laws are executed. So I'm a believer in that. And I guess I have to believe in that because the alternative is too sad. I feel I, like, for example, I look at my, my cousins uh, and they're having kids and these, these young, these, these little young things are running around and I feel so bad at the world that we're about to leave them. You know, I was supposed to be the adult and really I, I look around and I'm like, man, we're giving this to these kids are going to grow up in this system. It's going to be exactly the same problems that we dealt with. And they seem so, they seem so solvable. They seem so fixable because we have a system in place to deal with this stuff. So don't jump off the deep end. Fritz, if you are, that's fine. But before you jump off the deep end, just consider that there might be some ways that we can help save this system for the next generation. And maybe not, maybe the agorists are right. And from an individual level, I'll actually say that they are. So for the best thing for you is what you want to do, right? So if you feel the best about no longer ever dealing with government ever again and going to a farm and trading with your community, okay, perfect. That's uh, what I'm all about is you finding what's best for you. That's, that's great. Okay. So is there, is there anything before uh, we kind of close out here, is there anything that I didn't pick your brain on that you, that you wanted to dive into or that you wanted to mention about this? Uh, the only idea that I had in regards to what would be a fun way to spread this message was November's coming up. 
there's going to be a lot of politicians going on podcasts, trying to spread their idea, do some interviews. And the only thing I'm just trying to reach out to you, any other podcasters out there or any of your fans who enjoy podcasts that might have third party politicians on is see if they'd be interested for five minutes or so of allowing me to ask some questions of third party politicians or third party bigwigs. Um, anybody who's truly committed to the third party process, I have some serious questions. As you can tell, I believe I've done an incredible amount of thought. I've done a lot of logic going on in this stupid head of mine. And I just have questions. I, I, if, if somebody can explain to me why the third parties should be an important part of American politics, I'm willing to change my opinion. For example, I wasn't a big crowdfunded government guy 10 years ago, right? I, uh, long story short, somebody brought up a similar idea to me and I said, it's stupid. I remember telling him it's stupid. He holds it against me to this day um, because eventually thought about it and did the logic and moved to, oh, that's actually a really good idea. So maybe I'm wrong and that's where I think it'd be really fun because either we're gonna have really well-viewed clips of me asking third-party politicians and them slamming me down, explaining how good third-party politics is and how important it is, or we might change some minds. We might get some politicians later on, about a week later, like, man, that Theodore guy had some really good questions about third parties. So that's the best idea that I had to try to make a difference since I already have all these, these already podcast relationships with people who may be doing some of these interviews with politicians. That's all I'd ask for, five minutes of polite questions in the middle of your interview from somebody who's a third party skeptic. And anybody running as a third party, I believe, has an obligation to, to answer third party skeptical questions. I think if you're not ready to do that, you shouldn't be running at all. No, I agree with you on that point. Absolutely. It, it, I think, I think too often and sometimes even to a fault, sometimes when I'm interviewing uh, third party candidates, I don't, sometimes I don't challenge them enough. And honestly, that's, that's what they need. They don't just need, they just don't need a forum to sit and give their speech. They need somebody to press them on, on things. So, I mean, I think that's a good idea. And would I have you on if, if, I have interviews lined up. I'll keep you on the short uh, speed dial list, if you know what I mean, man. That's all I would ask. I, I can assure you. I, w I would be respectful, although I did recently record with uh, Burning Boots, and I did, this guy is running for tax collectors libertarian, and we were giving him pretty hard time. We were giving like a really hard time. Um, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> as a joke, right, we were giving him a hard time. But in general, right, if you actually let me talk to a true third-party politician not that he's not, but if you listen, you'll understand what I'm saying. He's a goofball. Um, if I assure you, I will be as polite as I can. I'll be kind. I simply want to learn. So if that can be arranged, that's the best idea that I had because that's how you put people's feet to the fire. And then my ideas are either going to change or they're not. Fair enough, man. And you guys heard it too. Some of, some of my fellow podcasters out there listening in. How can people get in touch with you? How can people join this this grand movement of anti-third party tear it down? You can find me in the mean streets of Twitter at crowdfundedgov. You can find the blog at crowdfundedgovernment.com. It's got all the links to all the podcasts. And I actually have a new movement on Twitter that I am trying to encourage people to use bad memes instead of arguments. Basically, I'm getting a little tired of arguing on Twitter. It seems like there's a lot of non-genuine political arguments on there like people people no. don't read <laughs> people don't read your response before they send their response they, like they already, they don't read your 23 tweet thread but uh, this, stuff. 
I, I'm just saying, like, nobody on Twitter appears to be taking any of this political discourse seriously. So the only idea that I had to help spice up Twitter is uh, focus on bad memes. Basically, if somebody makes a dumb argument, just make it into a bad meme, post the bad meme against them, you know, just put their argument into bad meme form. And I'm asking for the same for crowdfunded government, which is if you like any of these appearances that I do, or if you ever see me mixing it up in the mean streets, the greatest compliment to me would be creating a bad meme parodying my argument and then putting it against me because that to me is what Twitter should be about. Twitter should be about fun and joking because it's certainly not about people aren't going on there trying to get their minds changed. People are just going on there trolling. So we're already winning the information war. Let's just keep spreading the information. And most importantly, let's start having some fun. So that's the best idea that I've had recently. I make some bad memes and have some fun with me. Bad memes and have fun. And one final point before I cut this off. I've been noticing you've been doing a lot of video. Are, are you trying to circumnavigate the fact that they haven't given you voice tweet yet? Uh, I am so upset about that because it's really fun. It's really fun sometimes, especially because I like doing voices and I like doing songs. It's really fun to voice tweet. And the only workaround is that you have to record a video block the video with your hand or put it up against a wall or a table or something and then record it. So there was a challenge. Um, Allie Jill from Tennessee uh, said, um, you know, oh, this voice tweeting thing is, it seems terrible. And I said, well, for a week, I'm going to do nothing but voice tweets. So I did it and it was actually really fun. Um, I will say though, it reduces your visibility tremendously because the algorithm of Twitter is based on words and associations with other people. And so when you do a voice tweet, or in my case, a blocked video audio tweet, um, you, don't, you don't get any spread. Um, so the only answer would be if Twitter had some way of doing voice to text, which would defeat the purpose of the voice tweet. So I yeah. found it to be very bad at spreading messages, but I found it to be very good and fun for trolling my friends. So that seems to be the, the best way to use the audio tweet is uh, if you got to do a voice of somebody, then that's the best use. All right. Well, Theodore, crowdfunded government, thanks for coming on the program. Thanks for uh, spreading your message, sir. Fritz, thank you so much, man.